0: roderick the director of the documentary open a journey through love stops by to share not only his plans for his film but also his story on how he got his partner into the lifestyle and all about their first experience that was even better than he expected
1: and we're back Today we have Roderick joining us from Open, A Journey Through Love, a documentary that he's working on about ethical non-monogamy. Welcome. Thank you, thank you.
0: Welcome, welcome.
1: Indeed. We were talking just minutes ago about a better description of your documentary. And as you were rattling through it, I said, I'm just going to call it ethical non-monogamy and let you take it from there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's a well-rehearsed pitch, that's for sure. It sounded like it, <laughs> and, yep. I, and yep. I didn't have time. <laughs> so it's a feature-length documentary in its present progression that seeks to destigmatize ethical non-monogamy and examine the profound positive impacts it can have on individuals and relationships.
0: And we love this.
2: Absolutely. And technically, that's the point of our podcast. We
1: share everybody's stories. Anybody that wants to come sit down with us, please tell us how you got in the lifestyle, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And we haven't heard the same story twice. It's been entertaining beyond all belief just to hear these things. So how did you come up with the idea to do
2: this? There are so many components that lead to this. First of all, my partner and I are brand new to this whole circus. We talked about it, pillow talk and fantasy stuff. We've been together for five years. So we're newbies all the way around. Mm -hmm. We met for sex. We meant to be a hookup and then accidentally fell in love. That happens. So So sex has always been just a cornerstone of our dynamic. You know, for us, this relationship has been a mind-blowing revelation of what's possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we weren't familiar with the lifestyle or anything like that. Well, then we started talking about it more seriously and, of course, found that we had our own, each of us, different hesitations, different, you know, that all come back to like insecurities and fears and anxieties. And so I started looking into things and stumbled upon a lifestyle podcast, which, of course, one led to another led to another. And we know the feeling. So and, and now we joke about how if you're in the lifestyle, you have to have a podcast and a hot tub. And, and so, Sounds
0: about right. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like, oh, another podcast. Okay. okay. I do a lot of road trips. I have an assortment of careers, including filmmaker and fine artists and so on. And all of them have involved uh, a lot of travel. I happened to be doing an extensive road trip and came across a lifestyle podcast in which a married couple is just talking about their experiences opening up their marriage. And I ended up binging through all seven years of their wow. relationship wow. journey at that point in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just had this compressed overview of how their relationship had evolved. And then another podcast that I listened to really had me interested in the kind of friendships they were developing with mm-hmm. other couples. And, and you're free to people. call them out by name, by the way. One of them is We Got a Thing, which is a, a fairly well-known one. And then one is That Keppel Next Door, which had to shut things down for fear of being outed. Yeah. In a case of his career, just part of what inspired this documentary. Well, for me, a really key thing is, while the idea that the sexual activity is, of course, what got our attention, I mean, that's the shiny object, I was driving down the road processing the other couple, processing how their relationship was impacted, and just even them as individuals, especially like her self-esteem just shot through the roof, which is a real yes. common yep. real common story. I just projected that onto my ride. I was like, oh, this is the relationship I want. This kind of openness and honesty. And what I came to later understand is, oh, authenticity. This yep. is what I've been looking for my entire life. The authenticity is literally the tractor beam for me that mm-hmm. makes me grab onto this. I was diagnosed a few years ago with autism. There are several ways that that has impacted all of this. One is my experience with autism, which is a common one, is that i don't have recognizable societal filters so I'm Mister the Club, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm well, and not in the way that some people say, where like, oh, I just say it like it is. No, no, I'm Mister too much information. <laughs> I will tell you everything. I will tell you things you didn't ask. Oops. Um, <laughs> that might uh, be me. <laughs> uh, I'm known for rambling incessantly, <clears throat> and also it affects how I take information in. Sure. But then another thing is, I just tend to break everything down into its components, everything around me. So I literally finished this podcast and started taking all these notes, trying to distill, well, what is happening here? Why why is this impacting people this way? So that I could then talk to my partner, you know, (laughs) because she was having some reservations about all this as well. One day I'd finally gotten all my notes together, you know, and I kept telling her, we got a big talk coming. <laughs> and uh, uh, as I rubbed my hands together, so, and she kept going,
0: okay. <laughs>
2: and uh, so finally I said, all right, the day is here, put on your walking shoes. So we went and walked around the park that we live near five laps while I was just telling her all this stuff about not only how it impacts people in their relationships, but the things you have to have in place to even venture into it. Right. Yeah. We thought we already had a great relationship, but I could see like, oh no, there's work to do. I just distilled it down to do you trust me enough to just start this process of doing this work to get us prepared? Because I knew that she knew I don't have a tendency towards ulterior motives. So it's not like, let's work on our self esteem so I can get a double blow job. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just no no having sex with other people sounds fun and all, but this relationship is what I must have. I just was enamored with it. And she did. She trusted me. And we just started working on these things. And of course, not even getting to the point of playing with other people, we just watched our relationship just grow and grow. And each of us learn more about ourselves and about each other. And it's just been an amazing, that was two years ago. So it's been an amazing two years. Over the course of this, again, I'm also a filmmaker. I do a lot of different things. I'm an artist and a production designer. And a cinematographer, and film in general has always been my number one passion. But now I had this passion for this subject in particular. And I kept trying to figure out how I could merge those. And I come from a narrative background. I work on feature films and TV shows. And, and so I kept thinking, is there some version of a screenplay I want to write or something? And then just over a year ago, I was at a lifestyle hotel takeover, Podcast of Palooza in okay. Palm Springs, and was in a conversation with another podcaster. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And it just hit me. I was like, oh my God, why am I not doing a documentary about this? And I'm telling you, it was like lightning. I mean, it was just the sky is blue and two plus two equals four and I should be doing this documentary. I was like, how did I miss this? So I set about getting some more equipment. I already had some equipment and reached out to people and started lining up interviews. And since then, I've traveled over 30,000 miles. Well, by the time I get home from this trip, interviewing a few dozen people, I have at this point already well over 80 hours of footage and will probably... probably have about a hundred by the time I'm done. And it's been one of the most exhausting and expensive and soul nourishing uh, Mm. projects I've ever worked on. I keep telling people if nothing ever came of this, I would have no regrets. I've just had such an amazing time talking to people and hearing their stories. And I mean, I get emotional. I just, I love hearing people learning who they are and identifying that.
1: We definitely have moments like that on the show, (laughs) where as people start drifting, back into how they first got into it, they start remembering little things of where they were at that moment Mm -hmm. and just Sitting across from the couch, just watching them have those moments has been one of my favorite things about this.
2: One of my favorite interviews has been a couple that he's 80 and she's uh, almost 70. And they just discovered this a few years ago when I did the first road trip full of interviews last December. My partner couldn't join me because she has a real job. (laughs) So she couldn't join me. And every night I would call her just gushing about how amazing this was. Yeah, it's been incredible. I've maxed out a lot of credit cards doing this. So in fact, I'm going to launch another crowdfunding campaign because my next two big challenges at the moment, by the time I get back from this trip, I've got three specific interviews still left to do. Beyond that, my next two challenges are, one, build up as much of an audience as possible, audience engagement, meaning Twitter followers, subscribers to the YouTube channel, subscribers to our newsletter, so that when the time comes and I'm trying to get a distributor or streamer interested in the project, I can show them. Look at all these people that are anxious to see this.
1: And that was going to be my next question is, what do you
2: plan on doing once it's done? The once it's done part is the second challenge, (laughs) which is I have months of editing to do. And I can't do that if I have to keep doing a bunch of work to pay all these credit card bills I've been maxing out. And that's where the crowdfunding campaign comes in. My guess is it's going to take somewhere in the three to four months to edit this all together with the goal being a feature length documentary. But as a side note, to be clear, I think you guys would probably Agree. There is so much content to talk about. Mm-hmm. I really kind of intend for this to become a series. I was going to okay. say,
1: how on earth do you take a hundred hours? And I know editing this podcast. We started off going, all right, we're just going to do quick 20-minute episodes, no yeah. big deal. By the end of the first season, we had already been peaking well over a half hour, and we said, this this isn't going to work. And then we're at a full hour now, and yeah. we cut things that we don't want to just
2: to keep it just at to that keep hour. It. Yep. yeah. You now, I'm in the middle of listening to one of yours that I've had to listen to over three <laughs> visits to the gym. Sorry. And like we an hate that. That was <laughs>
0: when we initially came up with the idea for the podcast. We actually set out to make short ones, which was the name yep. hump day quickies right. we wanted them to be very short we wanted them to be half an hour and i even told them when we thought about a podcast i'm like the best thing is a short podcast nobody yeah. wants to spend three times right. going to work trying to figure out wait where did i leave off and restarting yeah. the podcast and that was our intention and then it's just grown yeah. and we have our second season where we started the unzipping portion where we talk so many of the people that our fans have reached out and said do not take that away we absolutely love it of that part of your podcast. So, ugh, so then yep. we're stuck. So we, we're trying to keep it to an hour to keep it down, but yep. it's a yep. struggle. It's, so it's we understand. Challenge.
2: Yeah, there's so much interesting stuff to talk about. All of these hours, there's absolutely tons of conversation that I've recorded that isn't going to be in this documentary. Mm-hmm. And it's partially just because I love hearing these people's stories right. and talking yep. about all these different things. But also because I saw that pretty quickly in the process that I wanted to expand on, okay, I want to do a whole episode just about events. I want to do a whole episode on the role that race has played. In, mm-hmm. in the lifestyle Lots of different stuff Once I finish this first project though Right now the plan is to submit it to film festivals It's kind of a you go from there and see right. what happens I'm obviously hoping that a distributor or streamer Like Netflix or HBO or Amazon or somebody Will be interested not only then in buying the documentary But in funding a series So that keep having the conversation So right. yeah. that's what I'm hoping Love that idea yeah. And yeah. The mainstream media has taken this to a point
1: Where you struggle to find someone representing the lifestyle or ethical non monogamy in the way that we see it. Yeah. And the way that we see all of our friends and
2: people we see at the clubs and whatnot engaging in it.
0: Right. In a very positive light. Yeah. They always spin it the wrong way. (laughs)
2: It's always about the titillation factor. Sure. And there's a couple of things. I believe that I'm in a bit of a unique position because. For one, I'm not an outsider coming in and trying to, because that's part of the problem is that Correct. there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. I'm inside the community experiencing these things, and I want to talk about them. But on the other hand, I'm a newbie. I get to have the wide-eyed wonder. I get to yeah. ask questions and learn things. I have a reputation for being kind of naive, and, <laughs> and I like it that way. Hey, and uh, okay. <laughs> Because, you know, I get to just think everything's great, and uh, just the fact that I'm a filmmaker and I have equipment and I know how to use this stuff. And I love road trips. Who on earth loves to drive all over the place just to interview people? I was on a trip at one point somewhere out west, Utah or somewhere. And I remember getting up and kind of calculating, oh, okay, it's only two days to Chicago. And then I thought, who thinks it's, it's only two days. days to Chicago? But there are days I'll just be driving for 10 hours with nothing on the radio, just kind of watching the environment, you know, just... I don't know. Yeah, we've had at least four or five
1: couples driving here that said we stopped listening for a few weeks just so we had something to listen to on the car ride. So yep, yep. that was yep. always that's always fun to hear. Yep, exactly. <laughs> something yep. to binge. <laughs> Let's get into you yeah. and your process getting into the lifestyle.
2: There was listening to the podcasts, there was then pitching this whole concept to my partner about how it could improve our relationship. What was her initial reaction to that? Certainly hesitation because she had some we both 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 have insecurities that we're still working through. Her insecurities revolve around me playing with someone. My insecurities revolve around me playing with (laughs) someone. So we each had things that we had to work through. But I love working on myself. I love learning about myself and trying to grow. It's one of those things where 15 years ago, life kicked me in the ass hard enough that I had to. Because that's the thing. Most of us aren't going to change unless something makes you change. Well, something made me change. And then I enjoyed the process so much. I've kind of been on a quest ever since then. That's what this is. This whole thing is about learning things about yourself you never knew. What I tell people often is the lifestyle forces people to deal with issues that everyone would benefit from dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many, many people will go to the grave never dealing with these things, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. But there is another level of contentedness and peace and joy and relationship that's available to those people. If you work on certain issues, the lifestyle just makes you look at those issues. And I think... I think it's really important to be clear. The conversation makes you deal with it. One of the things we're emphasizing with this is that this isn't a lifestyle documentary. This is an ENM documentary. Right. Mm-hmm. This is about how all these different iterations of ethical non-monogamy can impact people. So I've talked to bulls and hot wives and DTF swingers and swingers and polyamorous people, polycules. Because it's not about any one of those things. It's about how every one of those things, to varying degrees, you have to deal with submission. And it can improve your relationship.
1: And one of the things that we always talk about is how much we hate labels. Mm-hmm. and everybody gets narrowed down into, okay, well then you must be this. Well, yes. No, that's not how we play. We, exactly. Oh, then you're the, no. Yep. So sort to of try to find a label for every. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's
2: a
0: very large umbrella. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And
2: people float around between those yep. different concepts. They float in and out of them. There is no progression. You don't go from monogamous to swinger to polyamory. You might do that, but it's not a progression. It's right. just right. the change that you're choosing in the moment. I also think it's important to emphasize two more steps to that. One is you don't even have to have sex with other people to get all these benefits right. because again it's about the conversation and for a lot of people just being in the environment just getting to express yourself getting to interact with similar-minded people mm-hmm. i interviewed bob and tess the owners of naughty and Nullins. bob said something along the lines of the majority of people even here at naughty Nollins, which is huge don't have sex with other people mm-hmm. they're just enjoying the atmosphere, the atmosphere. you know yep. and just that engagement with people and the flirting and mm-hmm. the and the identifying, oh, I find her attractive. Oh, she's flirting with me. He look at, you know, all that stuff helps a couple start to address these issues of who are we as individuals? How do we feel about each other? If someone is struggling with insecurities, those insecurities come largely from how they view themselves. Mm -hmm. And the more you learn to love yourself, which helps to then diminish those insecurities, the more you're able to receive your partner's love. All of these things tie into people just getting closer, 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 For us, it was a lot of conversation. We have explored. We've played with some single fellas, and we've played with some couples. Well, a couple, actually. But we're still just having lots of conversation. Some of it for us is we live in a pretty remote area. There's like nothing around us. It's that common dichotomy you hear from people where they're taking their time and then diving in and then taking (laughs) their time and diving in. We're just so focused on the relationship part of it because of my approach to this that for a lot of people they pursue the sexual aspect of it because that's enticing and that's the shiny thing that gets your attention and then all this fun relationship stuff starts to happen as a product of that because i knew how much she was struggling with some fears and stuff and because i knew how much i was enamored with this relationship stuff that was the focus i was like let's focus on the relationship stuff and then if the sex happens because of it then we go That direction, right? And that's exactly how it's been unfolding. So then we've done some exploring, and then we rein it in and talk and figure out what we're thinking and feeling. It's definitely been more about the sex being a product of the relationship work instead of the relationship improving being a product of exploring sexuality. It sounds like the first experience was with a single guy. Yep, how'd that go? At a certain point, I finally thought, Oh, what if I arranged for a single guy to join me to give you a four-handed massage on your birthday. And then if you're comfortable with it going further, it does. And if you're not it would be prearranged. He would know that that's as far as it's going. And she said, yeah, she's not really into massage. So I knew already that was kind of a challenge. Um, So in fact, I had already bought a massage table and was like giving her massages to get her, you know, more, come on, man, how can you not enjoy a massage? So she said, yeah, that'll be fine. And I figured that her birthday's at the end of April. That gives me two months to set up profiles and communicate with some guys and get pictures and maybe meet with somebody and make all the arrangements. The short version is a week and a half later. We had our first threesome. I thought it was going to take two months to get her to a massage and we ended up having our first threesome. So how Um, did that transition happen? So, so (laughs) I I set up some profiles. I of course got single guys reaching out to us and I reached out to a few and I went through them all. And there was one guy that just even his picture, I was like, Oh, I like that guy. (laughs) And, um, and we communicated and yep, I thought he was really cool. So then I separated all the pictures out and just showed her all the pictures and I didn't tell her, you know, who, yeah, Anything, you know, I just said, here you go, L- look at these, and who interests you? She picked my guy. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: So I was like, okay, cool.
2: So I reached out to him. We arranged to just meet him at a bar a week and a half later. We sit down and talk to him, and he's definitely, she's quite attractive. He definitely acknowledged that, and I could see she was kind of enjoying the interaction. Well, he had got up to go to the restroom at one point, and she said, "Did you notice?" He said, "His kids are gone because he's divorced now, and his kids stay with him back and forth, and but his kids are gone for the weekend, you know." And this was just (laughs) supposed to be a meetup, Mm -hmm. and she said, "Did you notice?" He said, and I was like, "Oh yeah," and and she just. kind of nodded and, and I was like oh 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 Did you, you, know? you think so and, and and so he came back and he didn't even sit down I was like so we're good to go if you'd like to go to your house you want to go to your house we can go to your house now if you want you can go to your house because we heard your kids aren't there yeah, exactly because I, I should tell you that I knew early on that I have a nuclear level tendency for oh. compersion I mean hence yes I was raring to go and um And so he said, oh, okay. So he gave us his address and he drove home and then we followed. What was that car ride like?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, what's that conversation? So
2: we're driving there and it was like 10 minutes. It wasn't terribly far. I said to her, I said, so listen, I want you to pay no attention to whether you think I'm comfortable with something because I don't want you to be thinking about that. I want you to just relax and go with whatever feels natural because a really important concept is I'm well aware that we don't know till it happens. We don't know how we're going to feel. We don't know what things might trigger something for us. I was quite confident that I would feel fine because I was just so, like I said, I had already identified that I had really intense compersion. When I was listening to these podcasts, they had done an episode about their very first encounter and it was with a single guy. I got home from that trip and I just grabbed her by the shoulders and I said, you must promise me that I will not die without experiencing this. (laughs) I was just so, I was so enamored with it. I felt quite confident, but I still knew, you know. My eyes are open. I don't know what I might see that could be jarring, you know, mm-hmm. could be uncomfortable for me. But what I did know, and this is such an important factor is my head is not going to explode if it happens. We are going to be okay. If something happens I don't like, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Yep. Yep. So I knew that. So I was like, I don't want you to worry about it. We had one rule condom for penetration. So beyond that, of course, I'm going to protect her if I see something that's dangerous or unhealthy. Wasn't worried about that. Anything beyond that, it's just going to be ego stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't too worried about it. I mean, just because I knew I was at least confident enough to know we can talk about it tomorrow. The one thing that happened that I had never thought about in my fantasies was post-coital. And we had a couple of rounds and, Mm -hmm. and things went very well, very nicely. <laughs> and at the end, when it was all said and done, they were just sort of cuddling and a little bit of kissing and the caressing. And oh, I was just melting. <laughs> I, I was like, I just hadn't thought about that. You know, you just yeah. think about the sex. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the very thing that, for a lot of people, is the threatening part. Is the affection. Yeah. The affection part, and I understand it. I do. I understand why people fear. So many people talk about. Oh, I don't care if you fuck him. I just don't want you to hold his hand. Yeah. Right. And I get it, but... The answer to that is truly just communicating and really getting an understanding of. I've been emphasizing to her for a long time. I don't care. I mean, I'm getting older and decrepiter, and my hips don't. My hips hurt, and and I'm like, I don't care if we meet a younger guy who can do things I can't do, who's bigger than me, which is a bit of a challenge. Um, All right, then. (laughs) not not a huge challenge, just a bit of a challenge. But obviously, there are plenty. If he can do positions I can't do, if he he can do things longer than I can. If he's won a couple of Oscars, if he drives a Lamborghini, <laughs> if, if he has everything that I've always wanted and I don't have, none of that, how can any of that hold a candle to this amazing relationship we have? Yeah. Right, I don't feel any threat By any guy, because we are madly in love with each other, insanely in love with each other. Mm -hmm. Not only is that not threatening to me because it doesn't come close to what we have, for that matter, what's happening with this guy is because of our relationship, Mm -hmm. it's almost like identifying that balance of when you're playing with someone else, it's no different than bringing a new toy into the bedroom. Right. But it's a toy that you want to respect. I don't want someone that we've played with to feel used. Right. Some people want that. That's, that's part of the thing. Some people like that detached kind of thing. You know, for me, I just love people. So I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> yes. In fact, that's part of what I was enjoying that night. The first thing that I felt when I saw them just kind of cuddling and stuff, and I was kind of sitting back. The first thing I felt was just the thrill of knowing that she felt so safe and comfortable. With our relationship, that she felt she could do what came naturally. The second thing I felt was the compersion of her feeling pleasure yeah and the third thing i felt was the compersion of him feeling pleasure not just the oh my partner is making him feel good but just this cool guy mm-hmm. is is getting to feel good i mean i i really like this guy he's cool you know yeah it was a very enjoyable on the way home stopped at a liquor store and bought a bottle of menage a trois
0: because
2: nah. uh, <laughs> come on yeah, oh, to celebrate yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah exactly now, did she ever get the massage?
2: No, oh. but, you know, I, I gave oh, her a massage, you know, later. So, later. so we're all good.
1: <laughs>
2: what has been your favorite experience hmm. going through this with your partner? In the broadest sense, just as sort of tropish as it sounds, it's just my favorite aspect of this whole experience has been just how much closer we keep getting, and how much we keep each learning about ourselves and about each other. She's in the middle right now of some big paradigm shifts. Like the last six weeks have been really intense for her. She's seen things about herself in a, in a whole new light that she'd never seen before. Things that I've been trying to get yeah. her to see for, yeah. for a year and a half. And because they're things that I discovered about myself, almost everything she's ever gone through. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I figured out about 10 years ago when this happened. And so yeah, I've been there. I've had a reputation literally since I was a teenager of being a very confident, ambitious kind of guy. I mean, I talked about nothing but film throughout all of childhood. And then I went to California and went to film school. I made my first feature film at 22. So everybody's thought I was Mr. Ambitious, confident, go-getter guy. And then in my late 30s, I discovered, oh no, I am saturated in fear and insecurity. And I just never knew it. You know, you see somebody that's bullying somebody, that's because they're scared to death. Mm -hmm. Not that I ever bullied people. I have a reputation for being a fairly nice guy, (laughs) but I'm just saying a lot of us don't realize things that are going on, you know, deep down. And I discovered all that and it was painful and I worked through it. And ever since then, every time I discover another painful thing, I just go, okay, well, it hurts, but there's great stuff on the other side of it. And so for her, I've been just kind of talking her through like, yeah, I know this is intense shit and you're going to figure some things out. At least I'm here to reassure you there's some great stuff on the other side of this. It's not as uh, titillating as, well, this one yeah. time I you know. yeah. but... Oh, that's just been amazing. And you know the other part I haven't touched on as much, we look forward to, we've started to be able to experience it. But again, especially because we live in a rural area, in a especially social conservative area, we're a little bit limited in our engagement. But one of the things we look forward to continuing to explore is just these friendships with like-minded people. Again, I mentioned earlier, the authenticity is just like a drug to me. I love the fact that you can meet someone within this community, and within five minutes, you're talking about incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. issues. Yes. Yeah. I am Mr. TMI. Oh, yeah. That's who I've always been. I'm always like, oh, I'm going to tell you very vulnerable things about myself. And I've always been discouraged that most of the world is very guarded. Yeah. When we first started to explore this, I was like, ah, my people. You know? <laughs> I just was there in Pittsburgh you know, last week, and my partner is going through this intense stuff, which just has me kind of energized. And when I met Justin Mino and Mary Lou, I just all of a sudden exploded and just blabbed for two hours. And I was just telling him all this cool stuff. And none of it was really necessarily about her, but I realized in hindsight it was. It was all stuff that was culminating, and this is what she's going through right now. And I kept mentioning, and I'd already warned him ahead of time that I'm known for talking. (laughs) And, you know, he just kept saying, you have to stop apologizing for that because you're bringing something to the conversation. Right. You're not just going, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's all this interesting stuff that's happening and as you could probably tell in the preview and now that you're meeting me i'm a very enthusiastic person yeah, which so. <laughs> is what we
1: loved about the whole thing Absolutely. And yep, yep. why we definitely reached out yep So speaking of the preview, what has been your favorite thing that you've heard while interviewing people for this documentary?
2: Let's see. One favorite has been, we interviewed Mandy and Ricky from the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. One of the things that I loved in that interview was they really enjoy what we're doing with this documentary Mm -hmm. um, that we're trying to portray ethical non-monogamy in a very positive light. But they said, our position is it's none of your fucking business. Yep, Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. It's none of your business. It's nobody's business. No employer should have any right to have any privy knowledge to your bedroom activities one of the prompts for doing this documentary is the tragic irony that a high school administrator can cheat on his or her wife and get a slap on the wrist but Mm -hmm. if they're in a consensually non-monogamous arrangement they can lose everything right yeah Yeah. that was a, a potent one for me was just how blunt they were about it's nobody's fucking business yeah You know, I loved hearing a few different, just little snippets that I've loved. Duchess Cashmere and her husband refer to a lot of this as sexual outsourcing, because (laughs) it's like there are things that he's into that she's not, and now he gets to go enjoy them with someone else, and things she's into that he's not, and she gets to, you know, and I thought that was fun. Mallory from Casual Swinger talks, and a few others have echoed the same thing, talked about how she feels safer going to an event like this that's full of people having sex, you know, lifestyle people and being completely naked. She feels safer in that environment. If she were by herself, she feels safer in that environment than she does going to the local bar. hundred percent. Fully dressed.
0: Absolutely.
2: You know, she's she's less likely to get hassled Mm -hmm. by men. She's less likely to get judged by other women. Yep. Uh, One of the things my partner has really enjoyed is just this sense of the women support each other Mm -hmm. way more.
0: They really um, do.
2: One of our favorite things we experienced, one of the very first things we ever did was a year and a half ago, we went to Desire RM, a clothing optional resort. Lots of lifestyle people go there, etc. One of the first things that caught us was the body positivity. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. seeing so many sizes and shapes of people just unashamedly celebrating their humanness. Mm-hmm. Ah, that, I just loved it. Yeah. Loved it.
0: How fantastic is it that we met somebody who shares our vision to destigmatize the lifestyle?
1: I couldn't have been happier when I first saw the trailer Mm -hmm. that he's created already and the path that he's taking towards sharing not just his journey, but many, many, many others and their experience of the things that have made ethical non-monogamy something so important to them.
0: I first heard of Roderick and this documentary from Kylie Mm -hmm. on her podcast, The Pineapple Express, when she said that she had been at the E&M Summit and he was there and had interviewed her. And I said, oh my gosh, I want to search this guy out and I want to see what this documentary is all about. It's really sad that the lifestyle or the people in the lifestyle are portrayed in such a poor light that we need people like Roderick out there making films that show us in our truest light and really shines a light on the good aspects of being in the lifestyle and the benefits of it.
1: Yes and I am so happy that we got him in just as he was opening up his second round of crowdsourcing. Yeah. We know we ask you guys a lot to vote for us on ASN awards or nominate us in certain things but This is one of those moments that if you can, $1, $5, $10, $50, I mean, he'll has he make a fucking painting for you for some amount. Whatever you can give to help push this film into existence would be fantastic.
0: So fantastic. I mean, more than fantastic. This would mean so much if it could get out there and really portray all of these wonderful things, wonderful benefits that all of us lifestylers get to experience, but the rest of the world doesn't understand.
1: The way to do this, there will be a... link in the show notes for his indiegogo campaign for those of you that don't like clicking links go to igg.me slash at at that is slash o-p-e-n-l-o-v-e and you will be led to the indiegogo link where you can go ahead and donate to this film if you do google open a journey through love there is a link to an Indiegogo campaign. It says that one is closed, but also if you go to that, there is a link to the newest campaign. So if you click on that, it'll get you to that where he is actively funding for this project. Now let's dig into the episode. How fucking great was Roderick?
0: Roderick gets it. It's rare that I come across somebody in the lifestyle who seems to hit the nail on the head on so many different topics and across so many different subject matters within the lifestyle. And I feel like Roderick gets it. He understands from the outside looking in, this looks like just a bunch of people who want to fuck each other, mm-hmm. but from the inside There are these extended benefits to individuals, to relationships, so much growth and so much more involved than just fucking other people. Mm -hmm. And he makes mention to this on so many different occasions. I was just like, he gets it. He gets it.
1: I'm really curious if it's something that he picked up right away or if through interviewing dozens of couples, he's hearing all these stories and going, holy shit, now this all makes sense. It sounds like it all made sense before he started this documentary because the time frame in which they got into things and when he started the documentary lead to the belief that he really did get this very early on by listening to other podcasts. And hearing well, I was going to say, stories. and
0: the podcasts that he listened to, I'm a fan of as well, and I think they do a great job of getting the message out that trials and tribulations of the people going through their journey in the lifestyle, but it also highlights what those trials and tribulations lead to and mm-hmm. what kind of growth within that relationship where that goes. And he definitely caught on to that part of it. it wasn't just about sexy stories it was more about you know the bond that was built along the way
1: and i do want to emphasize that it's not just the lifestyle it is ethical non-monogamy as a whole right which includes poly and lifestylers and open marriages and just in general anything that's ethically non,
0: <laughs> <laughs> ethically non-monogamous yes, pretty much Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for him to have jumped in to make this documentary and knowing hey I need to do this this is something that this community needs as early on into the lifestyle I thought was very impressive for him to catch on Yeah, Netflix show you there was a swinging couple that we won't dig into no spoiler alerts here or anything <laughs> but the way they p- were portrayed and the aggressive nature of that couple yeah. was exactly what everybody pictures this swing- way I mean you've seen it on Saturday Night Live where they have their swinger episode and everybody has this over aggressive. I'm a swinger. Come here. I want want to fuck you. I have to Uh,
0: have sex with everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: just from what I've seen in his five minute trailer, Mm -hmm. you can tell that that's definitely not the path that
0: He's going down. Yeah, no, it, yeah, yeah, It is
1: clearly showing the relationship growth yep. from all of these couples. And it's really fucking exciting to finally see something that's coming down that path. Yes. And not just going, I'm going to say swinger or ethically non-monogamous just to try to get some clicks and... Then do a one eighty and go. all Oh, this. I mean, and then that, it there was
0: it's a disaster and do you remember broke that
1: and, one? There <laughs> was one show that we were watching. It was one of your true crime shows. Mm-hmm. There was like twenty minutes on this couple was in the lifestyle. They were swingers. They were known swingers. They'd hung out with these people. They were swingers, swingers, swingers. Yeah. And then the guy got murdered by somebody who had nothing to do with the lifestyle, and there was no correlation whatsoever.
0: Right. It to, was just something they yes. had done in their free time, and they had even interviewed like their supposed friend swingers which they wouldn't like identify as swinger. It was very clickbait bait, mm-hmm. like, we're going to throw out this controversial, they're swingers, they have sex with other people, but then where it linked into the story was not even...
1: It was uh, completely it, non-existent. It, so it, it's <laughs> just great that something is out there that's shedding the true light to what this is about and the fact that it's not just, let's fuck, let's fuck, let's fuck, and that there is so much more to not just your own relationship, but your relationship with others within your journey. There's nothing out there that really highlights this it just just it should be.
0: Portray it truthfully, right? It it portrays it in some sort of dramatic, kinda gross way. Or maybe even funny or poking fun of, you know, how many swinger jokes are loaded into different movies and mm-hmm. You know the undertones of things and stuff like that that are off-putting to the lifestyle i laugh at them still i oh, yeah, still absolutely. think they're funny i still <laughs> think that it's great i'm just saying that there's never been something put out there that shines a light on the benefits of, on the good parts and the positives as much as what i'm looking at what roderick is portraying in his trailer and just in his personality and what he understands of the lifestyle i cannot wait to see the finished product
1: it's something i'm very much looking forward to after watching the trailer i was like oh we need to talk to him. Number one, I can't imagine how he's whittling down a hundred hours into a (laughs) one and a half to two and maybe even three hour documentary. It's gonna be a fucking challenge.
0: Which he talks about this project possibly turning more into a series. I'm not surprised that it would go in that direction because we constantly talk about how the lifestyle or swingers or ethically non-monogamous, those terms are such an umbrella term Mm -hmm. that it covers so many different aspects and dynamics and types of people that there is no way that one documentary two hours. Long or whatever. It's going to
1: be a hell of a teaser it, episode.
0: Right. <laughs> is going to be able to fit the information into it that would accurately cover everybody that is involved in the lifestyle mm-hmm. you're inevitably going to leave somebody out and it's not really fair to them because they're also under the umbrella and i like the idea of it becoming episodes but you know we'll see he's he is the creator of this and we'll see what happens i'm, I'm curious to see what comes of it i
1: can definitely see the highlight reel Mm -hmm. coming out and gathering a lot of interest to okay hey you know what there are some very interesting aspects of this i'd love to hear more yeah and where he can build on that from there with just the footage he's shot so far i think he's got a great opportunity to expand this beyond just one film for sure the number of people that are going to want to be interviewed the more open people get about this yeah that can expand from there The way he felt and was like, oh, my God, I need to bring this to my partner and share all of this with her.
0: He quickly caught on to those fringe benefits, right? He said, yeah, it's cool. They're having sex with people, but look at how awesome they are in a relationship. He talked about honesty and openness and how he saw that. And he was like, I want that. And honestly, that was my first introduction when I was listening to podcasts. When I was introduced to the lifestyle, the first thing that drew me in was the I want that in my relationship. I want to lay down at night in bed with my partner and talk about anything under the sun Mm -hmm. and know that I'm not being judged, I'm being listened to, and that not only am I being listened to, but there's a possibility that you are on that same page with me and that we want similar things to be able to have that in a relationship as far as our de- sexual desires go. I mean, other things too, but...
1: It expands from there, though. It does. It, starts it really with the starts sexu- there. It's like, oh, we can talk about this, and wow, we can talk about these other things. and Yeah,
0: and nothing's off the table, right? right. I mean, because you can talk about anything. And I just remember thinking, when I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm like, how do I get there? How do I get to that point? Because up until that point in my life, I hadn't had that type of relationship. I hadn't been able to share sides of myself with my boyfriend's, husband, anybody leading up to that point in my life, never experienced that type of relationship that is what we have. And I can't get enough of it. People say I could get preachy about this, but it's a fringe benefit that I absolutely can't get enough of.
1: We say it all the time. The sex is great, but nowhere near the top of the totem pole on the things that we love.
0: And I think even Roderick points it out. The sex is the thing that it's the shiny object that draws you to it. Everybody wants sex with different people. That's really cool. But all of a sudden, when you start to go down that path of, oh, we're going to have sex with other people, let's, prepare our relationship for this, Mm -hmm. the preparation of your relationship and that bonding and that communication that has to happen for you to get there is where it's at. That's what happens.
1: The vast majority of the ethically non-monogamous couples technically are not even non-monogamous. They just talk about the idea of being ethically Mm non-monogamous. And that's enough to spark A shit ton of energy and conversations and just fantasies. Yeah. You don't even have to cross into the sex line to get there. And there are a lot of couples that we know that go to the club that don't actually engage in sex with other couples. They flirt heavily, will tease, Mm -hmm. and they will have sex in front of others, next to others, but never actually cross that threshold. But that energy that they get inside of the club is something that really builds their relationship.
0: But then are they being non monogamous?
1: they're not but they're still considered part of the global they're umbrella under, that under they're the umbrella. they're having sex in front of other people which is so beyond off. the norm the fact that this umbrella covers so many different yeah. things
0: right and that again extends to so many because you can't Group us all in one. We're not all doing exactly the same thing to get the benefits right. from it. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Another benefit, self-esteem.
0: Roderick speaks to what he noticed with his partner, Jane, and her confidence level. And that she felt that she needed to have higher confidence to get into this, but also Being in this is also part of what skyrocketed her self-esteem. And I was in a very similar position where initially when I went to the club, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to lose 15 pounds. I have to... tan. I have to make sure that I look perfect when I walk through the door because I couldn't mentally handle the idea that I could show any imperfection in myself. But then I didn't lose all of those 15 pounds and I wasn't as tan as I wanted to be. And I've definitely walked in the club doors not looking as perfect as I would like to appear. And I've gotten a zillion compliments. I've walked out head held higher than any other day in my life. You know, so sure, you need it to get through the door, but whatever small amount you have to get you through the door, because as soon as you walk through those doors, the compliments will fly. And the best thing about the lifestyle is that I don't think compliments are given just as fluff. They're true compliments. Mm-hmm. They're not stupid. I'm just trying to get in your... Well, there are those I'm just trying to there get in your pants. There are a lot of them once. trying to
1: get in your pants, but, but they are still very honest compliments but a lot of, of people them are, trying to get in your pants.
0: Right. It's very valid. It really builds you up. Also, very honest. Un- Unexpected positive side effect. Mm -hmm. One of Roderick's beaming qualities that I noticed in our interview was how self-aware he was that also traveled outside of him into his relationship. He mentioned how he has done self-work before and how much he loves it and how much he enjoys learning about himself and then working on himself. Then he also mentions how within his relationship he found while the relationship was fantastic there were still parts that needed work before they were going to venture down a path into ethical non-monogamy. That speaks to where you have to be mentally when you get into the lifestyle, where you kind of have to be prepared to do some sort of work. Like you have to know yourself, Mm -hmm. know your own boundaries, know who you are and bring that to the table and bring that to your partner. And then your partner has to be in that same boat where they're willing to really know who they are, know their strengths, weaknesses, all of that, and bring that to the table. And then you can come together and move forward.
1: And have faith in your own relationship as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: And that trust is something you have to have with each other where you can actually share these fantasies and share these thoughts and share these things that turn you on or may turn you on. Just the faith that you put in each other as you have these discussions to be open and honest with the person that you care about and love most.
0: I love how excited Roderick got about wanting to have the conversations. Mm -hmm. Like he was building it up in his head and he was like, he
1: was telling her, he's like, get ready, this is coming.
0: We're going to have this conversation. going to be great and I just love that because it is it's so exciting to find something new and and then share it with your partner and then for that process of sharing to actually be such a fun bonding moment between the two of you right
1: I loved his massage plan
0: I could like sense it from across the room as soon as he brought it up I was like oh this sounds like something G would do
1: this <laughs> sounds like something G did in fact do
0: Well, not for me.
1: No, but another partner that I was with in the lifestyle, we went to Vegas and actively searched out male massage therapists. And I texted back and forth with them going, hey, is there a chance that this could become more than a massage? There were two that were like, absolutely, there is a way that this could become more.
0: Oh, two.
1: There were two different ones, yes. And we met with both of them on two separate trips, one on four separate trips, but... Wow, and then even recommended the one on four separate trips to others who have. So you enjoyed. used
0: both of them, and both of them turned out to be that good that you yes, used them that multiple they times. They would come
1: back that they came back on another trip. Yes, wow. those first two times. Where the first guy, he manually massaged her to an orgasm. And the next guy who came in, who the second he walked in the door, I saw her go, oh, oh, hi. Yes, please come massage me. And she immediately disrobed right there, standing in front of him and then laid down on the table. And he's like, do you want anything covering you? She goes, no. Where that quickly extended to, hey, should we move from here to the bed? And yes, please. And then that was the first time I got to watch her have sex with somebody. That then proceeded into our journey into single men and I can totally see how that was a path that logically made sense to him and also got her thinking maybe I could do this.
0: My struggle would be at what point do I switch over to the sexy part because I think I would just be like yeah you can keep going just the massage part is and fantastic.
1: I will tell you both did a very good massage before they got to that point So then after she selected the gentleman that he was hoping she would select, they get together for just a, hey, let's say hi and just have a drink. Yeah, and how quickly Jane goes from. Did
0: you hear? Hi, he it's nice have to meet you. <laughs> <say>. <laughs> she, she, she was all.
1: And the fact that he's like, yes, yeah, so oh, Zoned in so on. <laughs> I know the
0: excitement. Oh, Nessa
1: and, has yep. said yes, and it's time now. We're acting. No on more it. fucking around. Yeah. Let's go. And it didn't surprise me at all. Roderick's immediate compersion feeling. Yeah, And the joy that he received watching not only his partner experience sexual pleasure, but someone else experience sexual pleasure with his partner.
0: The one thing that shocked me a little bit was that even in her cuddling at the end and the more affectionate parts of the exchange, he still felt the compersion. I feel like that's probably the more rare circumstance. Mm -hmm. There's the sensual, the sexual, the turn on, the sexy, all of that part, which is just like the things that make sex, sex. And also the thing that separates it from sex and love, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you kind of have that gray area of the affection part. That part for me at first was harder to see or harder to watch because that's kind of where the switch flips, right? Like she doesn't get that. I get that. That's mine. Mm -hmm. And so then becomes, I don't necessarily have the compersion department already set up there. But the fact that he could find compersion even in the affectionate moment at the very End of the exchange was to me kind of mind-blowing because I feel like that's the hardest time to find the conversion. My first exchanges were more I enjoyed watching my partner have sex. I didn't enjoy my partner make connection. It's hot to watch my partner please another girl. It's hot to watch my partner be pleased by another girl. And I enjoyed that, but I didn't find that it hit me in any sexual way to watch my partner enjoy affection from another female or give affection to another female. That was early on, but now we've morphed, we've progressed Having experienced it enough, now I can have that compersion where I do know what it's like to have the trailing fingers up and down your thigh and those small affectionate exchanges after you've had sex with somebody. Because I too like to give those to my sexual partner Mm -hmm. and I enjoy giving that. I enjoy being on the receiving end of that. And then now knowing that I can watch you give and receive that, it doesn't hit that same vibe. vibe of no that's mine now it's yeah that's mine but I'm sharing that and that's awesome yes you know and I want you to have that I want you to feel that doesn't
1: that feel good at the end isn't that something fun to look forward to right and then you also know full well that very shortly you and I will be in bed together where we will still do that as we're going to sleep or during sex post-sex you name it it's it's still it's still there between us Yeah, yeah I
0: still get that it's not you're not giving mine away I still get that now you get to have it too, then I can be more open to having that compersion on a bigger level, on an extended level, different experiences, not just the sexual part, but now more of the connection part.
1: Right. But that also leads into that conversation that he had in the car going there, where he said, don't you worry about my comfort level at that moment. Right. You enjoy the moment, be in the moment, enjoy it for all you can. Knowing that, eh, you know what, if I do have this uh, that didn't feel right, we could talk about it and go, eh, you know what, that didn't feel right. Either we don't do it again or we don't do it that way and we change something. Yeah. And knowing that this is just a blip in time that we can learn from or we can experience and we can grow from. Yeah. Understanding that one little moment in time doesn't change everything. It gives you something to learn and grow from.
0: And the only way you're going to learn is if you experience it. Mm-hmm. Going into any of these experiences, we just we have no idea if something random that you do is going to twinge some sort of weird wire in my head that just doesn't work for me. Right. Or vice versa. Maybe it twinges the right wires in the head and now we've learned there's some sort of kink we have. But you just don't know until you've done it. Right. He approached it the right way. Get what you want out of this experience because who knows if we're going to have it again.
1: And he was so right in the sense of the relationship that he and jane share that she was comfortable enough to let go mm-hmm. and be herself and be in that moment and enjoy every bit of that
0: and huge props to her for being able to do that because that's no small feat that is definitely a difficult position to be in because you're saying to me you are the love of my life and you are going to sit on a couch and watch me enjoy another man and you're telling me to completely enjoy it and think that you're not even in the room like think of you not being there that is easier said than done right Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things where you really have to get out of your head and be present in the moment to be able to make that
1: happen that goes back to you and your previous partner where you didn't feel comfortable enough having that moment in front of him because you didn't think that was something he could handle no but then you and i you fully understand that yes not only is that something i could handle that is something that turns me on to the nth degree
0: well it helps that it turns you on i will say that I mean that definitely works in my favor right because I'm like hey I can enjoy myself and he loves watching me enjoy myself so this works
1: (laughs) it really does and you grew from that because you said it before you didn't think that you would give a shit if I had sex with anybody but you it wasn't something that you thought you'd enjoy watching or be eager to see again Mm -hmm. and through our journey you have discovered oh wow I really like sitting back and watching that happen too yeah he also briefly mentioned how open people have been in sharing their stories and how open people in the lifestyle are to
0: sharing more than just lifestyle, their own life.
1: And yeah. it's because if you're willing to have sex with somebody and give that much to them, the amount of other things you're open to say and do and the way you can act in front of them is what really speaks to the growth of relationships and bonds that you build with these people. Mm-hmm. Because you can be your authentic self. You can And say whatever you're feeling. If it bothers them, they probably are going to, "Eh, you know, maybe that's not somebody I want to have sex with and they move on. But typically when you get to that point, you have created such a connection that you know what you're about to say isn't going to scare these people off, isn't going to be bothersome. It's a story that they're going to go, oh wow, that's great to hear. Here's my story. And you just continue to share and grow from that moment.
0: There's a lot of trust that we put into people in the lifestyle just naturally mm-hmm. as you're having these conversations. It opens up another door of, well, I trust these people this far, which is more than I trust any random stranger on the street. I will say that the bond that we share with Echo and Falcon as friends, I've told them stuff about my family, about my family relationships that have happened over the time that we've known them that I would never tell anybody. I don't share a lot about my family and I am an overshare of all things. <laughs> you know that. Yep. And I hold that very sacred. I hold that so close to my heart that these are people that we're not only sharing in the secret that they're swingers, you know, and we're not going and telling the world, but also that they're willing to just kind of totally be vulnerable with us and tell the, us all about their regular day to day lives that are imperfect and that make them human beings. And I love that. I love that we can build on that. And these are people we've been friends with. For how many years? Four. I don't have that relationship with people I've been friends with since grade school. Mm -hmm. These are relationships that are almost like fast built. Oh, yeah. You know, they like go from, hey, you're cool people to we're best friends and we don't know anybody better than you. Like you build that friendship builds so fast
1: it really does we have built so many incredible relationships that really is what this movie is about the relationships that you can build and it's about getting the story out there and yes people are going to look to go "Ooh, look at this shiny object of these people that have lots of sex Mm -hmm. and i hope that draws them in just like this podcast draws a lot of people in yeah, I mean, we play Sounds of You Fucking and things like that. It does draw people in and we enjoy sharing those stories and all of that. But at the same time, it's also bringing people in to hear about our journey, other people's journey, and open the door for them to take that journey in the hopes that even if they don't take the journey, when they hear, oh, yeah, I, I know these swingers. I've heard about these swingers. They're great. They're mm-hmm. People in the lifestyle. Yeah. Ethically non-monogamous. We love that. Yeah. It's, I, no, I wouldn't do it, but I have no problem with it. So that in the future, when somebody says, hey, my ex is a swinger and my kid shouldn't go there, and a the judge goes, no, they definitely shouldn't go near those swingers. You get 100% custody and people lose their kids or the morality clause in some... Fortune 500 company that says, oh, well, I, I know it's okay for the president to be fucking other people behind his wife's back, but you guys are doing it ethically and in full agreement with consenting adults, but eh, you, yeah, that, you're a swinger. That's weird. Good, so yeah. that's <laughs> not moral. So you're out of here. Yeah. This is just another step in helping to normalize it and get people talking about it in a positive light. Yes. That is why it's so important if you can to hop on that crowdfunding
0: support it, and support it in any, any way, way you can. can.
1: Yeah. Even a dollar or two or whatever you can. Everything helps get to that goal of getting this finished and hopefully into the hands of a, my guess. It'll be a streamer. I, who knows where it's going to end up, but right. getting it finished and getting it out there so more people can see it. And it goes back to what we said before about the more podcasts that are out there, the better. And if one person hears it, that's one more person than that had heard it before. Mm -hmm. I think that, can help grow this community and help normalize this community.
0: And just as you said, even if it's not to build the community itself, but more just to let the world know that we're not weird. We're not trying to fuck everybody.
1: And by no know, means are we, we saying need. this is for everybody. Everybody no, needs to do this because it's not. And they it's don't.
0: definitely not for everybody. And I think also that will open up that door as well. We're not saying that because it has all these wonderful positive benefits that everybody should do it. We're saying these are the possible benefits of it. But I would love for the world to see that we aren't creeps. And I think like the biggest misconceptions about ethically non-monogamous people is that we're out there looking to fuck everybody and everything. And that if you're not fucking us, then we're not your friends. But we are normal people living a normal life, not fucking people as we walk down the street every single day. And oh my God, we're perfectly fine.
1: I mean, there are times that I wish you would be more. Oh, stop.
0: (laughs) but I think that that's what a documentary like this will do for our community. It will, open the eyes to people who maybe don't want to do it themselves but just say, okay, it's really not that weird. It's kind of cool or I can see the benefits or I can see how that would be beneficial or I'm no longer creeped out by swinger parties or swinger events or the club down the street. (laughs) (laughs) Well, We kind of have gotten off on a tangent on our actual episodes, Mm -hmm. but we will be back to our regular format
1: Yes, very soon. Next week we Next week, I have a couple that we will be talking to that I know their story is definitely worth listening to, and the path that they got here is much different than others that we've talked to in the past. So. And we
0: absolutely have fallen in love with them as people, they are fantastic. We can't wait for you to hear their story. Thanks for joining us for a Hump Day Quickie.
1: We hope this brought you some midweek excitement.
0: If you have your own confession you'd like to share with us and our audience,
1: please call 844 4 Day and leave us a message.
0: Can't wait to hear your sexy stories.